Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, David Coe. Hi, David. Hey, Joe. How are you? Doing well, and thanks for joining us. A little bit about David. He is a gold-level realtor, which I just learned means that his team, he and his team achieved $10 million plus in real estate sales last year, so congratulations on that. He represents homeowners and investors with COE Real Estate Team based in Hermosa Beach, California, and he specializes in the South Bay area of Los Angeles. What I wanted to focus today's conversation on is really his area of expertise, and that's something else about his background um, in that he has helped raise over $15 million in capital for deals over the last seven years. He's also co-founded the South Bay chapter of Four Investors by Investors and runs Freedom Growth, both uh, passive investing cash flow groups. And with the amount of experience that he has raising money, he's really found a good um, niche in self-directed IRAs. So that's what we're going to talk about today and, and the parameters around that. So with that being said, David, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on what your experience has been doing and what you're focused on now? Will do. Yeah, thanks, Joe, and thanks to the to the best ever listeners for uh, for having me on here today. Um, you know, I started off as a uh, as a fix and flipper with my wife. Her and I were were active in oh oh six oh seven oh eight, and of course, as everyone knows, in two thousand and eight, the world changed and the, the the floor fell out from underneath us. Um, and as we were looking at uh, uh, finding additional ways to raise capital, we learned about using self directed IRAs. Uh, at the time, I actually still had my my IRA plan with my old corporation that I had quit two years ago and didn't really understand a lot about that world and just became fascinated by it. And, um, you know, so I spent uh, a couple of years, um, you know, putting together my own self-directed plan, building contacts in that space. And really the first real company that I that I put together, you know, in real estate investing was a company called Freedom Growth, which, you know, I still own and operate today. Freedom Growth specialty is helping people invest their IRAs uh, into real estate. And we certainly do, we help with some other kinds of non-traditional assets as well. Um, but our focus is on real estate and we do help in both the structural side of, of people setting up their accounts as well as helping them find opportunities that we think are, are better suited for, um, for retirement accounts. Uh, myself personally, uh, I am still involved in some fixing and flipping, some high-end stuff up here in the Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills area. 
Uh, I'm also uh, really like non-performing uh, notes, specifically non-performing seconds is something that uh, I'm currently spending a lot of time on. Uh, and as you mentioned, I do have a local real estate team. We, we specialize in kind of that two to 10 unit investment property here in Southern California. So based on your experience through raising money, working with self-directed IRAs, investing in your own deals, investing in other people's deals, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I'd say the best advice, and this somewhat comes out of my involvement in working with passive kind of investing. So dealing with with syndicated deals where there are other people that are responsible for day-to-day decisions. I always tell, you know, friends and, and clients that the most, well, I shouldn't say the most, uh, equally important to the deal you do is the people that you do the deal with. So we always tell people that you really have to look at who are the people that are responsible for making the decisions that are responsible for your money and, and understanding, you know, their background, their intentions, you know, we, we really look at deals and how they're structured to make sure that there's a mutual benefit for, for the operator or whoever the, the, you know, the operating people are that are running the money. Um, and, and Joe, one of the things that I always tell clients is that, that a, a good deal done with bad people will go far worse than a bad deal done with good people. So I, I think making sure you understand who the people are is an important part of investing in real estate. Let's take a step back and let's look at self-directed IRAs um, for for a little bit. So can you tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about uh, the benefits of self-directed IRAs, parameters, structure, um, just high-level overview with some specifics uh, on you know what perhaps people might not know about them? Yeah, Um you know, most people that use traditional financial advice, um, you know, using your 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 retirement funds, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say retirement funds. Um, I'm gonna use IRAs, but just know that that means your IRA, your 401k plans, your pensions. Most of that stuff it can be what's called self-directed in the industry, and what self-directed is. Uh, it's a it's an industry term that basically means unlimited. Okay, when you are investing your IRA, four hundred one k pension, and you're working with a large Wall Street broker, um, you're usually going to be investing in traditional assets, which are going to be primarily equities or cash focused. If you were to ask them about investing in other kinds of assets like real estate or commodities or you know private placements, they're more than likely to tell you that. You can't do that. And what they should be telling you is that they don't do that. But you can do that. As an individual, you are allowed to invest your retirement account uh, into almost anything you want as long as it's really for for investment purposes. The, the, The way the IRS structures the code is they tell you what you can't do. And the only things you can't do as an individual uh, is invest your, your retirement account into um, into collectibles. So you can't, you know, buy like a stamp collection or you can't buy an old classic car or a piece of artwork. Um, you cannot invest in an S corporation, um, which is actually more S corp law than it is self-directed IRA law. And you can't deal with people that the IRS uh, deem as prohibited parties. 
you and your IRA are the number one prohibited parties from each other. So you have to know that whenever you invest um, into this kind of uh, using your funds, that you have to make sure that you and your IRA, which are two separate legal entities, don't do business together. And that's a that's probably the biggest red flag that you know we spend a lot of time answering questions on. A lot of times people want to know, hey, can I use my IRA buy a buy a piece of property and live in it? Well, you can't because it, that's not being held for investment purposes. Can you buy a piece of property and have someone else live in it? Yeah, that you can do because now it's a it's a passive investment. So, you know, there's all kinds of ways to roll your money out of that traditional real estate, excuse me, that traditional retirement environment that most people have their money rolled into. There's a whole industry out there for self-directed custodians and different vendors that um, will allow you to invest your retirement money in all things that are legal, not just the things that the Wall Street um, custodians and brokers buy and sell. And primarily, that's what we help people do is understand that landscape, um, understand the the different choices they have. You know, there certainly are some nuances in in that and how you can invest in real estate within the within that using your self directed IRA money. Um, but primarily, as long as you're investing it purely for investment purposes, um, whatever you want to do with those funds is is perfectly legal. Generally speaking, what are the fees associated to doing that? Most of the custodians will charge um, a number of fees. Um, some will charge you a flat fee. Um, some will charge you a fee based on the size of your retirement account. Some will charge you transactional fees every time you use the money. And quite honestly, some will charge you two or three of those fees, depending on which custodian bank you're going you're gonna to use. Um, you know, what I always tell people is that th- this is a... And even those fees, while they sound like they're a lot, they're not large fees. You know, generally, um, you're talking about hundreds of dollars. You know, maybe if you picked a really expensive custodian, you might be in the low thousands. Um, the thing that makes these fees interesting, or, or, or I should say, um, it makes them more visible, is because you're actually having to pay a fee. You know, you're going to see it as a debit to your account, and you're going to have to write a check. What people don't realize is that the fees that they pay in the self-directed space are probably far less than the fees they're paying, you know, being inside of mutual funds or being inside of traded type of stock accounts. It's just that a lot of times those fees get kind of buried into into the, 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 the deal structure so they're not as visible. So there are fees in this, but it's less than what you're probably paying if you're at a Wall Street custodian. And as long as you, you know, you structure the deal right, the, the fees are manageable. What are some disadvantages of doing a self-directed IRA, 401k, or pension? Well, I'd say the disadvantages is that you have to be a little more active. You know, I mean, I think the reason why Wall Street does so well is that they are brainless. You know, as an investor, you give them your money and you pick a couple of mutual funds and technically they will just take off and, and you never have to check on your money again. Um, you know, uh, being self-directed gives you choice. It gives you options. It gives you things that, you know, you can, you can weigh in some, in some different asset classes you can invest in. The downside is you got to spend more time. You know, you have to be a little more active. You're either analyzing opportunities, you're identifying opportunities, you know, structuring one of these deals. You know, it takes some time to be able to, to put the deal together. Um, 
So you've got to be prepared to spend that time. You know, I always tell people, hey, look, you're worth it. It's your money. You know, you should be more engaged. Even if you don't go self-directed, you should at least be a little more engaged in, in, in the long-term success of your, your retirement account. I'll never forget whenever uh, I heard that Mitt Romney had millions and millions of dollars in his self-directed IRA. People were wondering, well, how the heck could you have that amount of money uh, in that self in the IRA? And it's because you can only put so much money. We all can only put so much money in our IRA um, that the government allows, and it's because it's a self-directed IRA, and he made good business moves. Um, leveraging that capital into something that he believed in and you know regardless of political alignment it's just fascinating to hear how a self-directed IRA can grow and grow and grow a lot more so than if uh you know you keep it in the stock market yeah you know Mitt was a very savvy investor you know that that's what he did before he decided to to run for for public office, you know, Bain Capital was his company that was basically uh, almost like a venture capital firm, and 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 Mitt invested in some of those some of those same types of opportunities that Bain invested in using his self directed IRA. And you're right, you know, contributing to this account it is capped by the federal government, you know, and for IRAs it's in you know the low thousands. When you get into 401k plans and some SEP IRAs, you know, you can contribute up to fifty, maybe $100,000 a year depending on your, your personal situation and, and how, you know, what kind of business you run. But while the contributions are limited, the, the money you can make inside of them isn't. You know, there's an unlimited amount of money you can make. So if you are a savvy investor and you do know where good opportunities are – you're making that kind of money in an environment that's basically tax-free. And it's one of the things that a lot of investors like about using their IRAs uh, is, you know, the downside is, is you can't touch that capital into your retired, right? Because just like your just like the, the way your IRA operates right now, that thing is making money, hopefully, and you might be getting some dividends, you might be having your shares growing, but it has to sit into that IRA until you're 59 and a half. The same thing happens in real estate where the money is growing, um, you know, in, any income is going back into the IRA, any expenses have to come from the IRA, but it continues to grow in that environment completely tax-free until you decide to start taking it out when you hit into, your, you know, your late 50s, your early 60s. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Bring it on. Best ever book you've read? All right. There's a, there's a book that I read called Fierce Conversations. And it's written by a woman named Susan Scott. And the whole idea of Fierce Conversations is that the relationship is the conversation. And whether you're having good conversation or bad conversation, as long as you're having conversations with people uh, and you're being fierce about it, you know, which is being bold and, and being honest with people, um, generally you'll have good relationships. And honestly, it's a book that has helped to transform both my, my personal and my, my professional life. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it? Um, I would say traveling, um, spending time um, away from the day-to-day I, I think has done two things for me. Number one, it just gives you a break. You know, you've got to turn it off every now and then and, and especially for those of us in the real estate, you know, investing, you know, we tend to be more self-employed kind of people and there's all kinds of responsibility with that. So I think traveling helps you to clear your mind 
uh, it also helps you to see some different perspectives, you know, especially when you get outside of the United States and you see some international um, communities and, and different kinds of societies. I, I think it helps to give you some clarity and some vision when you're not sitting at your desk like we all do all day long. Best ever success habit you practice? Um, you know, I, I this one was an interesting one. Uh, I, I could have gone a couple different ways, but the one that I, I, I'm going to settle up on is, is by being involved. Um, I think that it's impossible to be successful on your own in real estate. Um, you have to be involved. You've got to be visible. You've got to be meeting people constantly. You know, I always tell people there's no I in real estate. And certainly, uh, uh, you know, I think that holds true. So I would say one of the best things that I've done, um, best habit I've built is that I, I do spend time. I volunteer, you know, for different organizations, different nonprofits, you know, my kid's school. And that gives me visibility. It gives me credibility. And, and, and one of the things that I always, always tell new potential business people is that when people can see you work for free and see how much time and energy you put into a project when you're not getting paid, it reflects brilliantly on, on what you do get paid for. Very interesting perspective. I love that. Thank you. Best ever deal you've done. Well, somewhat along the same lines, I'd say the best deal I've ever done, and, and I'm going to somewhat take a cop out here and not give you a real estate deal, but it is actually. The best deal I've ever done was uh, starting my real estate investment group for investors by investors. Um, I, I'd say I was a you know kind of mid-level real estate investor, you know, had a good base of clients, but when I started the for investor by investor group, um, the, again, the credibility that I receive from being the person that runs that group every single month, the visibility, you know, being able to, um, to, to, to kind of update those people on a regular basis on things I'm involved with, because real estate doesn't happen in a vacuum, you have to be connected to like-minded people. Uh, and, and actually the best story, you know, we, we have a, a very high end fix and flip property right now in East Hollywood. The way I found the money for that, because we had raised the capital, we needed to, um, a loan to take that deal down. One of the people that sat in my audience for, for my foreign investors, buy investors group happened to work for a hard money fund. And actually, it was a company that was involved in something else that had just gotten into hard money. Heard me talk about the fact we were looking for money. We had a conversation. And you know, three months later, we had a deal done on that. So that was a great, um, for me, it was a great utilization of that community that I built and it continues to pay dividends over and over again. One of the number one things I ask my clients to do is to start their own meetup. And if it's, if it's not a meetup through meetup.com, then uh, branch off a real estate investing group um, off of maybe the church that they go to or the local, you know, it, it maybe they volunteer for a a school, then you know, just simply teach the kids after school a little bit about investing and and just educate and serve and organize. Because whenever you educate, serve, and organize, you are, as you mentioned, I mean you're you're the you're the leader of the group. You're the one. Um, who people are going to connect with the most because you're making things happen and it pays dividends hundredfold in the long run. 
I, 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 I think it's fantastic advice for, for anyone listening. And, you know, we, we do run our group on Meetup. Um, and, you know, for anyone who happens to be in Southern California, if you type in for investors, buy investors into that, you know, we've got over 12,000 members here in Southern California and scattered in a couple of other cities around the U.S. Um, you know, so when when you go through and you can build that kind of network, and obviously, you know, it's not just me. There's plenty of us that have built up the the, the for investors by investors brand. But for me to be in front of those people, and and you know, our our purpose in our group is purely educational and purely networking. We don't sell anything to anybody. And because we're genuine about that, the types of people we attract are the types of people we want to do business with. So if you if you set something up and you set it up with good intent and, and you publicize it so people know about it, and then most importantly, you deliver on what you said you were going to do, it's a great way to build some recognition, build some credibility. And, you know, more importantly, it's a great way to expose yourself to other people that you may want to do uh, some investing with. Best ever quote. Um, well, there's a lot of them. I've got a 15 and a 13 year old, two boys. So I'm constantly trying to give them um, some good information in, in nice little witty, pithy quotes. <laughs> I, I was hoping you would tell us a quote that they told you. That would be pretty entertaining, I'm sure. <laughs> it would be entertaining, but I don't think it would fit your best ever format. Uh, <laughs> when you do your worst ever advice show, give me a call back and I'll have plenty to share with you. <laughs> Um, no, but the one that I always like to tell them, and it's one that I try to keep, you know, top of mind as well, is that, you know, uh, I love the line of whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Um, you know, to me, that's a huge part of my success, you know, and especially when I started with the self-directed IRA world, no one knew what the heck I was talking about. Even though it had been around for 30 years, most people had no clue that um, that you could use that, that kind of money to invest in real estate. But I knew it was true and I knew it was a good, um, you know, it was a fantastic way for people to invest. And I never lost belief that I could build that brand into something. And from that, other opportunities have presented themselves over the years. But I've stayed really pure and focused on the belief that I was going to to accomplish it and be successful. And it doesn't happen instantly, but over time, it will pay dividends as long as you keep believing. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, early in my, my investing career, uh, my wife and I were fixing and flipping in 2007 and 2008. So for those of you that are um, economic historians, you know, 2007 wasn't the worst of time. 2008 was. Um, you know, I... I was so determined to get started in real estate. Um, I, I don't think I kept a really good eye on the market and understanding the, the cyclical pattern that all markets have, but especially real estate. Um, and and I, I you know think now that, hey, look, if I could go back and tell myself in 2007 what to do, I was so desperate to get started that I did the one thing that I that I, I knew we could accomplish, which was fixing and flipping houses. But had I paid a little bit more attention to what was happening, I still could have gotten started into real estate. I just may have chosen something a little bit different that wouldn't have you know exposed me to so much risk. So what, I, what would you have done? Um, you know, I, I'll tell you, I kind of think we're in a similar space right now. I mean, here we are, 
it's 2014. It's seven years later. And, and as you, um, you know, as you know, there are a, uh, a lot of headwinds against our economic recovery and, you know, markets are cyclical. They usually will, will hit, you know, one cycle to the next in about, you know, a seven to 10 year timeframe. So I think we're kind of not certainly, I don't think there's something as, large as there was in 2008 in front of us. But we're looking at things that have a little more breathing room that, um, you know, where if there is another change uh, in, in where the uh, in the progression that our economy is going through, that we've got some breathing room to ride that out. You know, when I was fixing and flipping, we did a couple of higher end properties that when we couldn't sell them, and rented them out, we were renting them out for a loss. And when you're taking a loss on that rental project, um, it doesn't hurt for the first couple of months, but when you get into month 22, it's painful. Um, so I think one thing that I would have done is looked at doing lower end properties, at least properties that if I got stuck holding them, we could have held them, you know, at least neutral, if not with a cash flow uh, to ride out the market and then could have sold them later. Um, you know, right now we are interested in, in you know, in, in things that have long-term horizons on them, right? So things that are, you know, we're looking seven to 10 years out just in case there is another moment, in, you know, 2015, 2016, you know, we want to make sure that there's room to where we can, uh, you know, ride out any rough waters um, and get to the other side. Uh, we really like things like low-income housing, um, we like mobile home parks. We like self-storage facilities. Um, we like things that, uh, and, and we like non-performing notes. We think there's still plenty of margin in that kind of space that even if there is another radical drop in housing prices around the country, that we would still be protected from that. What's the best ever place to reach you? Uh, best is by email. Uh, my email address is david at freedomgrowth.com. And uh, I generally get back to people within a couple of hours. Well, thank you so much, David, for sharing your best ever advice and you're talking about self-directed IRAs. You're the first person who I've uh, had on the show uh, who's talked about self-directed IRAs, and that is incredibly informative and necessary for sure. So thank you so much on that, and then also you know, talking about how you got to where you're at and what you're focused on now. Much appreciated, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Joe. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.